Welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And for our first episode, we'll be talking about our top three fantasy series. And Chad, this was so difficult for me to, to really narrow down. I was thinking about it all day long. And I think I've got it, but I think maybe it'll change with my mood. And if you caught me a few months from now, I don't, I'm not totally sure it would be the exact three that I listed today, but I am curious. So like, uh, we're going to kind of like alternate back and forth. So I'll ask, you know, Chad, what his number three is, and we'll work our way down to number one. So uh, Chad, what's your uh, number three? If I may, before jumping into three, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was, uh, I was out at my parents' house, just hanging out, celebrating some Hanukkah before this. And I was sitting in the car. I got the first two very easily no problem and as you were saying they change often so if you ask me three runs from now might be different but the third one there was like 18 contenders and i just it was so difficult to pick out which one uh but and i haven't read it in a few years so you'll have to pardon some of my ignorance if i don't remember everything but i love this book series uh the gentleman bastard series the lies of lockamore lamora Red Seas Under Red Skies, The Republic of Thieves. And I think there's another one coming out in a year or two. My friend, my good, this is why we're best friends, right? <laughs> Just so so all of you know, uh, Chad and I did not discuss what our our top three were before we got into this. No. Um, I had no idea you were going to pick that for your third. And it's it's not in my top three, but it. I love those books so, so much. Good. Like. There's a, you know, what's really interesting about um, Scott Lynch and like how all of those books came to be is apparently Scott Lynch was hanging out in like a forum, right, for uh, for writing. He was hanging out online in a forum, like talking to other people about writing. And I guess he was really active in the forum. And then some some people started saying like, hey, are you going to post anything up into this? Or are you just going to lurk and like comment on other people's stuff? <laughs> and uh, he submitted like the first couple chapters of the lives of Locke Lamora in whatever forum. Yeah. Uh, in whatever form that was in, you know, the rough draft form. And um, apparently someone saw it and contacted him and, you know, it was like, Hey, I'm from a publisher in England. Like this is really good. And I could be wrong about, you know, all of this, but this is what I read Scott Lynch talking about this on the internet, but apparently the publisher was like, where's the rest of it? And Scott Lynch was like, just give me a second. I'll uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll get that to you. And apparently he just hammered it out in like, you know, it took him months, obviously. But right. like he was doing 14, 15 hour days uh, getting those together. I wonder what his excuses were to the <laughs> publisher. Like, oh, my car broke down. I was going to bring him by today, but just couldn't make <laughs> it. My wife got sick. I was like, man, this guy has a chaotic lifestyle. It's those, those, but those books really are. I mean, like the, it's the first time I read the, the lads of Locke Lamora. Um, I, I, I didn't get more than like 50 pages into it. Really? I got to when they were talking about the Don Silvara game. Um, okay. you know, like when they were kind of like getting into the meat of what, what they were trying to do and the way the structure of the book is so like, um, back and forth and like, um, it's kind of keeping a lot from the reader when he's a kid into adult kid. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so I was a little put off by it at first, but I, I, I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I have to keep reading this series and I did it. And it, I don't think any, anything has really gripped me that well after not go, going through with it the first time. I 
loved it the first time because I love coming of age ceremonies. You know, boy grows up and becomes a full grown adult. And like, so you get some of that and the hardship and the struggles of what he went through when he was a kid and how he became the person that he became today. And then I also like reading about just like a badass character. And so he checks off both of those boxes because you're getting him in modern day. I feel like I resonate a lot with the character, not because of who I am, but because of who I want to be, you know, because <laughs> he's just so badass and smooth and he can morph into any situation because he's always the guy that has to put on the disguise, change his accent, go into these fancy parties. You know, he's a street urchin and now he's going in and manipulating these super intelligent, high level rich people so his squad can go in the background and do whatever heist they're trying to pull. I just loved it. It was a little bit different than your average fantasy novel, I felt. And I was just like, I love this start to finish. The other two books are really good too, but the first one probably probably was my favorite. That's so excellent. It's it's it, I really love hearing that that's uh, in your top three. Absolutely. Did you like hearing about when he was a child growing up more or when he was an adult? I think the father chains stuff, like the the stuff when he's a kid is, mm-hmm. and when he's in um, like the cemetery with all the other thieves, you know, right. um, really, really fascinating. But also, uh, you know, Locke is only as interesting as the people that he's surrounding himself with, you know, Absolutely. for a lot of that book. And like, you know, the, the, the relationship between him and John is like incredible, you know, and like, I think that like Locke is one of those characters who is endlessly fascinating because he does have all these qualities of like, you know, this really slick, intelligent, like badass character, but it's like, he's also very weak willed in a lot of cases and, and very like, uh, he, he's really, he's way too headstrong and like, you know, he's, he's really arrogant and, and it's, it's so cool to see such a confident character be taken down by his own hubris and like having his friends around him also like knowing that's gonna ha- like Jean is like constantly annoyed with him. You well know, said, and- yeah. And he's like good at everything, but annoyingly so, and he knows it. And that's kind of his weakness, you know. And his friends are all like, I feel like there's a lot of eye rolls from his friends, but they're like, well, we couldn't pull it off, so we <laughs> like we deal with it. I mean, I, I mean, I just I, I love the world building. I love how I love how he gets into the world building, but it's not this giant info dump stuff, you know. And it's like uh, he does quite a bit of like giving the reader information as the story is developing, which I'm always like a really big fan of. Yeah. He doesn't allow you to get lost in irrelevant information. And I think information, and I think the, um, the first book stays entirely in that city. Correct. Cause I don't think that you go into anywhere else in the world until the second book, Mm -hmm. uh, which I really loved because there's, if I'm remembering correctly, the order, um, the red seas under red skies, there's a section of it that is, they're on a ship and I really, and I, as you know, I'm a sailor and have my own sailboat. And so I geek out whenever they're like, Oh, they're on a sailboat now. I wonder if they're going to talk about knots. <laughs> yeah. Rad. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really great third one. Cool. Thank you. I'm so glad that you read those books and agree. Cause uh, I just love them. Love them to death. All right. On to yours. Give me your third one. What's your third? Uh, mine would be the first law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. Oof. Yep. Excellent and you, you choice. just finished those, didn't you? I did. I did. And I was loving it. It's one of those books that you're sad when you finish the last page because you're like, there's no more. I'm sad. 
And Joe Abercrombie really is, in my opinion, one of the best working authors today. I mean, like his ability to ask really difficult questions of his characters and of the reader while building such an interesting world. And it's so visceral and it's so easy to slip into this world and be with these characters. It's exciting. There's war. The character progression, like you said, is incredible. He doesn't just end when the character goes through their arc. He like arcs again and sometimes like de-arcs and they go back to being a bad person. I love it. Totally. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, one of the things that I love most about him is his ability to write in a different voice for each character. So Logan's chapters are different than the Dogman's chapters. You know, and uh, even though they they were friends and doing a lot of the same things together, you know, uh, they both have the, these really distinct personalities. And uh, Abercrombie has this amazing ability to kind of showcase that personality through him changing the way he's writing these chapters, uh, which Absolutely. is just so cool. And I, I have read um, uh, the other peripheral books that came afterwards, but I still haven't read the second trilogy. I forget the name of it, uh, but it's, it follows the timeline. It's in the same world, of course, but it's like 20, 30 years in the future, right? Adua is all like industrialized in that it's one, the city. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Adua is the main city. Yeah, and they're getting industrialized. And then like um, Glockta's daughter goes to the other city and because she's the big like industrial woman who's starting all the businesses and stuff. And it was, I, I read that series first without oh, knowing. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really do my research. I'm like one of those guys where I just like, I need a new, I get really like sad and anxious if I don't have a book to fall back on. Like, what am I, what if I'm waiting for someone in a parking lot for 20 minutes? What am I going to do with myself? So I always have a book. So I just like ran out of a book, went to Barnes and Noble and window shopped and just like, well, I, I like this cover. Got it. And I didn't really realize there was a triple, a whole series, three books in the same world and about the same characters, kind of previous to that one <laughs> i could just picture you in your car in a parking lot like reading the the sixth book in a series like just like wow this is pretty cool yeah <laughs> this is great <laughs> the guy's character development kind of sucks but <laughs> what is your number two chad uh my number two is uh the stormlight archive cool an yeah. unfinished series i love that one and i have not read the new one that came out i think it's called rhythm of war yep i haven't read it I'm so excited to read it. Here's my problem. I'm always reading something and I have so many books on the list right now that I want to read. And I've read those three that are out right now twice because every time a new book comes out, I reread them. So I've written, read so many books between then. I always forget the details, you know, and like a lot of like the magic happens in those details. And so I'm like, ah, oh, this book series is so good. It deserves me to start from the beginning. So I start from the beginning, read all the way again. And I really want to read it, but I'm going to need to start with The Way of Kings. <laughs> and those books are thick. They're, they are very, very thick books. So, Well, maybe maybe once the fifth one comes out, maybe in like a year or two, you and I can do a whole nother reread on the podcast. Ooh, that's a good idea. Because like, I mean, I, I've read those books as well. Um, interestingly enough, they're not in my top three either. Really? Uh, but I really, really like them. And I, I mean, I, I think that uh, Brandon Sanderson is... I can't think of anybody that's better at world building than him. And I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty big consensus that like Brandon Sanderson, say what you want about, you know, he, he tends to have wooden characters or I, I don't personally agree with that, but you know, people say his characters are lacking sometimes like books are too wordy, you know, it takes too long to, for things to get to where they're going. I would entertain uh, those conversations, but we cannot deny 
the man's ability to build a vivid, lived-in, real world for you to sink into is just second to none. It's so good. I can feel like salt water on my face and I can I can see puddles in between cracks in the ground and I and I can visualize how crustacean all these creatures look and the whole the books feel wet when you're holding them you know it's just yeah. so cool your feet hurt when the bridge burners are running carrying the bridge you're crying along with Kaladin where he's crawling across the ground saving a guy whose life is worthless to everyone else and he's just a thing and he like is caring he's poof those books like really had an emotional pull for me. Um, and yeah, you could say what you want about his character building, but I think his characters progress. They're, they have a simplistic progression, which is why some people may not like him and be like, oh, he could do more. But the story is complicated. The world's, it's not too overly so, but I don't think that it needed super robust, complex characters. He just like doesn't simplify, oversimplify them, but he keeps it within a box. And I just, I loved the way that he built it and I love the characters. I like the progression. Oh, it is magic. He has a really particularly good skill about creating a cool magic system. I don't know if you've read any of his other books, but he does that in every one of his series that he creates this like really interesting, like the Mistborn. Have you read those? I have. Yeah. With like the metal, you know, they can metallurgy, the metallurgy, they can see different types of metals and it gives them different powers. And I think that's really cool. And I really like what he did in the Stormlight Archive as well with his magic system. It was unique and cool, not overly powerful, but not underly so. And I think that every person could really enjoy getting into the storm suit. And running around, you know, like this, the, this, the huge <laughs> suits, like the crystal suits that they get <laughs> and makes you like a mech warrior. <laughs> is it the storm, what do they call it? Uh, shard plate. Shard plate. Yeah, there not, we go. Way cooler <laughs> than the storm suit. Whatever. Storm suit sounded kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I forgot the name. I knew you would understand. But when they're like racing each other and like running up the side of a cliff, their fingers are like digging into the rock. I was like, like we've all had those moments where we we're like, oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> it's your turn for the second. Um, my number two is A Song of Ice and Fire by Mr. Martin really? himself. Really? Why? Why? Tell me why. Um, I don't think that I've ever been so invested in what is going to happen next. Really? In a series of books. I, I have never been so attached to the decisions these characters are going to make, the their thought processes the relationships between them. And I read all of these books when I was 20, like before the show came out, I had read the whole series by the time I even elected to watch the show. Same. I'm not saying that it lends any kind of credibility to my opinion or anything, but it's just like, I was so, so invested in this. You know, I didn't want it to end. I didn't, I, I didn't want, I, when I got to the end of one of these thousand page books, I was just like, damn it. Like, I need more. And I, you know, I read, I read a dance with dragons with like so quickly. Um, and it was such a mess of a book and like, I still love it, but it is just like, what is going on in this Ugh. book right now? And, um, and maybe, you know, it could be some nostalgia. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, say that's discount not the case. That. I wouldn't discount that, but I think, I think George R. R. Martin is a absolutely incredible writer. I love the way that he establishes the scene in his chapters, you know, like it'll be like uh you know the the four horses stood on a hill uh, surrounded by gray green sentinels and then it like starts you know what i mean he's just like here's a sentence about where everyone's at 
let's get into it, you know? And he's, and I think it's a result of him working in film for so long. Mm. Um, like he was really involved and he was, I think he was doing screenwriting or at least like helping out with film and TV and stuff. I'm not sure exactly what his credentials were, but he is so good at getting to the juice, like getting to what's really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people would disagree because they are doorstopper books. Well, if I may, you I may. disagree. I disagree a little bit. And like, I'm not going to criticize them too much. One, because I did really, truly enjoy them. They were very good. I enjoyed every book. And if Martin ever like listened to me criticize them, he'd probably just go down to his Scrooge McDuck basement full of money and laugh at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would. So what do I know? But um, very good. I have to say, like, I'm not here to criticize. The guy is clearly a master at his craft. His stories are good. I mean, he goes deep with it. His world building, incredible. The things that I got a little frustrated with when I was reading them, the first one was just over overly political. And maybe I'm just a sucker for warfare and action because I'm basic like that, but I, I just love me a good war scene. I love me a good sword fight. And he has those, no doubt. But there was so much political intrigue that I was just like, oh, I need someone to like kill someone else. <laughs> like we need to have an attack, you know, there were just, and it's good political intrigue, but it was just a little, like, have you ever read a Tom Clancy novel? I've tried. There, there's some really good ones and really bad ones, but sometimes you're like, all right, Clancy, we get it. You know a lot about submarines. You know a lot about submarines. And so I have the same thing with like, man, this is some great political intrigue, but let's get on with it. But, you know, it's, it does add a lot of spice to the story, just maybe a little overly, overly spiced, in my opinion. I call it walking into rooms and talking to people. Oh, my gosh. So much walking into rooms and talking with people. So much of that. <laughs> and, th and that's one of the things that'll, that'll, I'll, um, I'll be, you know, when you were like really self-aware that you're reading mm -hmm. a book and like you're, you've got so much of it left and, yeah. you know, and it's like, sometimes I do, I get in that funk where I'm like, wow, you know, it'd be really cool if at some point soon something happened, you know, <laughs> instead of just like, oh, that person left and now that person's here. Uh, now they're talking about this. Yeah, I agree. Which brings me to my second criticism, which there's too many perspectives. Maybe really? I'm dumb. Maybe I'm dumb. And I just no. got, I just can't follow. Cause like sometimes there would be a chapter that's from a character's perspective that wouldn't, you wouldn't get another chapter from that same character's perspective. I know that's kind of his thing of like taking all these pieces of yarn and weaving them into a full story tapestry where you get a bunch of different perspectives, which is cool. But man, it was confusing sometimes. I'd have to like, like think okay like who is this guy do i like him do i not like him i just totally forgot a lot that's really cool that's really interesting that uh we have such differing opinions on one of the most popular series ever written i like it i i almost don't even want to say this uh because people are going to hate me for it but it is one of the series very few series that i think is a better show than a book i think they're better books than this than the show but just just barely that show is incredible dude it's very very good and like man they did made dragons look cooler for all than... seven seasons of that show yeah like so seven, cool. seven incredible seasons of television with no eighth season you know they didn't even do an eighth season it was just seven so good so good <laughs> do you know when the uh last book is coming out or did martin just be like well i already made like two billion dollars so um uh, i i think he probably won't finish them that's kind of my um i wish he would 
but you know um the first book came out in 1995 or 96 or something it's almost been 30 years um you know 25 26 years and i could see him just being fatigued and with the whole thing and just totally over it and if he is you know it's a bummer but he's also he's a human first right he is a human being and i think that and I feel like that could be a whole episode in and of itself is like talking about whether or not, you know, we should feel entitled to have somebody else's art. You know, like I personally yeah. don't feel that we should be entitled, though I do understand why people get frustrated about it. Absolutely. But, you know, the, uh, there are a lot of other books. OK, let me ask you a question. I'm really interested in your answer. If he dies and someone else is hired to pick up and finish it, who would you want that author to be? I'm really tempted to say Joe Abercrombie. Ooh, nice choice. I think Joe Abercrombie would do a really excellent job, but he doesn't write very long. You know what I mean? Like he's he's very, he has a different, he has a much punchier style. Very different voice. If I was going to minimize Joe Abercrombie down to one word, I'd say it was punchier than Martin's kind of more long-winded, laid-back approach. Agreed. But I think he would do a really excellent job. I, and it's just because I just read her book really recently, but I think Samantha Shannon would probably do a pretty killer job at it. Interesting choice. Okay. She's got the chops, honestly, to handle a lot of characters. Uh, if she had the notes, you know, I think she has the prose for it. Just a really incredible writer. Samantha Shannon is going to be, in my opinion, like give it like five, 10 years, let some more of those big books come out. And uh, we'll see Samantha Shannon way up there with Martin, I think. Okay, good answer. And what about you? Um, I was thinking about that. And maybe it's just because I'm such a fan, but I think Brandon Sanderson would do a very good job. Really? Yeah, I think he'd be able to pick up the pieces. And, and I think he would be able to add enough, like, because I think by that time, the characters are, like, developed, you know, and we're just, like, adding and putting, injecting them into scenes of chaos and letting them go, you know? I'm like, yeah, there's going to be some more progression, but like, eh, not that much, you know, um, I think you can wrap it up well and make it exciting because that was my, I mean, remember my criticisms is, you know, too much political intrigue. So I'd like him to go in there and like spice it up a little bit, which is why I think Joe Abercrombie would be good too, but it is very punchy. That was an excellent word for it, his writing style. I have a couple thoughts on that. I mean, I think that uh, Sanderson certainly did pick up the, the pace uh, when Robert Jordan died. And he finished the Wheel of Time series. And I think that the last three Wheel of Time books are some of the best in the whole series. And I think I think Robert Jordan could have filled filled out the rest of the series just fine. And I think it would have been a really cool ending no matter what because of what was happening. But I think that Sanderson really, you know, as cliche as it sounds, like very, very much like breathed new life into the series. Um, I don't think I would like I, I don't know if Brandon Sanderson would want to finish Song of Ice and Fire because I feel like there's an interview with Sanderson that I listened to where he said that he was trying to write like Martin before he got published huh. because he had already written a bunch of unsuccessful books. And he was like, everybody wants stuff to be so dark right now. I'm just going to try to write something dark like George R.R. R. Martin. And he tried it and he said he hated it. He hated <laughs> the process. And I'm, I'm, I am curious, like if he was offered because I bet they would at least someone would if, if George R. R. Martin died tomorrow, someone would be knocking on Brandon Sanderson's door. And maybe oh, they sure. wouldn't be the person that makes the decisions, but someone would be like, hey, just we have to ask you. And he'd probably say no. Maybe you're right. Sometimes I hate watching um, interviews from authors because sometimes I end up not liking them. 
very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it, I know what you mean. <laughs> it flavors the book for me. And so mm. it's kind of like when you um, hear, listen to a DJ, like you're driving to work and you listen to the same radio morning show like all your life. And then you see him sitting in front of like the local furniture store doing an on-site like cast one day. And you're like, huh, he looks way different than I thought he looked. Yeah. Then the picture I had in my mind it just kind of ruins it for you, you know? So sometimes I don't watch those authors, but yeah, I don't know. I would, uh, it would be a knee knocking experience to have to finish that because no matter how good of your job you did, if even if you killed it, you would have hundreds of thousands of people hate you. <laughs> Millions. I mean, I mean, Millions. when, when Sanderson took on Robert, when, when Sanderson took on the wheel of time, that was already such a big deal, but you could, I feel like you could get away with saying that the wheel of time at that point was a very popular cult following of a series. Like it was a very popular series, but nowhere near as popular as song of ice and fire and game of Thrones is like right now, not even close. I don't know if it'll ever have the same weight behind it as song of ice and fire does. Agreed. But uh, so let's move on. Uh, what is your number one, Chad? so excited to tell you what it is and you could probably guess if i gave you a few guesses i feel like the author should send me a few free copies because i've every time i read it i get hyped about it and it's like this is so good and then i give it to someone else and then i don't remember who has it and i rebuy it and that is the name of the wind or uh you know the series name uh king killer chronicles i always forget the king killer Chron- but man that book name of the wind and the wise man's fear, so incredible. I love him. I love the writing style. I like the character progression. He starts as a kid. He becomes something more powerful and special. He himself has an incredible brain. And I could see some criticism being pointed his direction, maybe being too incredible, like learning a whole language in three days. Or I don't know. He's, the, he's just like the pinnacle character. And people might get a little ugh about that. But I loved every page. I was truly sad to end that book and be like, Whoa, what am I going to read next? And I've read it like four or five times. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. Uh, I mean, I really love those books too. I've, I've also read them like three or four times, uh, four times, I think. Fourth time was over audiobook. And it's funny because I think if you had talked to me on my first read through, they would have been my number one. And then on my second read through, they would have been my number two. And my third read, they would have been my number. No. And, and they've edged their way out of even, you know. Um, they're in the top 10 list? Uh, I, would, I, would, I would no, okay. I would say they're in the top 10. For sure. I mean, because like I have we a lot of still critis- be friends. Of course. Uh, I mean, and I have a lot of criticisms of the work just in general. But they are incredibly well-written books. Like, they're beautiful. Like, And I will probably, you know, I'm sure I'll read them again. And I do think Doors of Stone is going to come out eventually like i think it will i think it's and you know what maybe it won't even be that great but i'm gonna read all of them again and i will be in line to buy doors of stone which we've been waiting on for years and years and years i feel like it's like mean at this point like the author's just being like (laughs) like dangling a little carrot you know it's been 10 years yeah come on rothfuss I remember I read that series when I moved from Bend to Portland and I it was also uh, right around the time that my mom passed away that I was reading those books and so I was very it was very easy for me to um I was really poor living in Portland I didn't have a mom you know what I mean so it's like when when Quoth is in Tarbian and stuff it's like you know my situation wasn't exactly that bad but 
I think that those books were really, they were really important for me. And I'm sure they were really important for you too. And I think there's so much to take out of those books. You know, there's so many things to pull from and like the world building, the magic system, how it's like kind mm-hmm. of science-based and yeah. um, the way that- I tried it. <laughs> cool. I'd be like, okay, this is like this. Because, you know, you always you got to try. What if? <laughs> and it just seems so logical that I was like, that makes sense to me. And so, you know, it didn't work if you're curious. Yeah, uh, maybe I uh, should sacrifice a goat first. I don't know. That might. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many different options out there. Yes. <laughs> like soon you're going to be swallowing bits of metal. Yeah, I know. Seriously, uh, but like the university hit the intrigue with the Shandrian. I like that sort of like one of the coolest parts of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. the bad guy that you never meet is kind of the best bad guy a lot of times. You know. I like the uh, the part with the Cathay in the second book with like the tree that's eating those butterflies. Yeah. And that part is probably I remember like reading that specific part, um, and then the chapter preceding it, um, where Bast is like freaking out because he's like, yeah. that part I think is probably like one of my like top five like most memorable reading experiences I've ever had is like sitting there reading about Kvothe in the fairy realm, like talking to that tree, and it's just like. It was so creative, you know, and like that's one of the things that Patrick Rothfuss like say say what you want about him. Like he's he's kind of a jerk, I think, sometimes to his fans or like, you know, he's very um, he is like the big rock star fantasy author uh, and, and has been for like a while, even though Sanderson is just showing him up every single year. Um, <laughs> but it is and, you know, a ton of authors are showing him up every single year. And I think that there are authors that are better writers than he is. Um, but damn he wrote those books you know this is his debut book series right yeah and like and he and he he created such a story that we all just well, not all of us obviously but like we, we you just latch onto it you latch right onto cloth and i don't know if yeah. it's a consequence of like that third person framing story mm-hmm. around a, a first person like narrative for the bulk of the book uh, i think that's a really effective framing story but it's also it's a little it's risky because you know you're taking away a lot of the dramatic tension by you knowing that Kvoth is never in danger in real mortal danger you know so and it's like I think one of the ways that the book kind of falls apart a little bit sometimes is that I feel like Rothfuss didn't spend enough time on the other characters so that Kvoth could go through like a real emotional loss like later down the line you know what I mean so like because if you can't kill him like if you can't actually put close life in danger, you're right. gonna have to you're gonna have to put other people's lives in danger. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to threaten to take something else away from him. And so when you're in that position, it's like it seems like making him this Mary Sue, like good at everything, nothing ever really phases him kind of character, it really takes away a lot of like how much I care about things happening, you know. That makes while, sense. While they are very interesting things, you know, but maybe I'm that's the thing about being such a huge fan of things like this is like, I am really picking it apart. (laughs) (laughs) Like maybe I should just sit back and enjoy it, but that's part of enjoying it. I, I agree with you, but man, Kivoth, he's just so cool. He can do everything (laughs) so good. And he gets things so fast. His brain, I think we all kind of aspire to have our brains work that way. And we wish that we were the savant that he was. Mm -hmm. He's so clever and picks up on things. Um, one thing, good thing, one bad. So 
you know, every author kind of has like their like, oh, the creme de la creme of like their skills. And his is writing the experience of music. Like being able to hear music with words is like an art form in and of itself. And I would read those pages sometimes over and over, like when he's in the, um, the whatever, he goes there and he starts like, he does like two songs and he does like a really simple song, very complex. And then he does a really complex song and make it look simple. And it was like, boy, each song like was described. It was just beautiful. And I could hear the music and words. And I was like, that is skill. It's kind of like, um, do you ever read the book by Brian Jacques about the rats and the, um, yeah, Redwall. Yeah. Redwall. Thank you. Yeah. When I was a kid, I read those. He could describe food better than any author I've ever read you know he had these feasts and then you just be mouthwatering the whole time so i think that rothfuss has a similar skill with music that is like one of the, the the coolest parts of those books is the way that he just dives into that one specific character and like the way that he dives into like how quoth is feeling you know moment to moment and using that third person framing device to compare and contrast the future version of him so that you're getting this full spectrum of experience you know, and like, I understand why he chose that framing device is because you, like, this is all so important, you know, like what's going on in those chapters with Chronicler and Bast and Coat in the Wine Spring? Did the Wine Spring? No, Waystone. Sorry. Waystone. Wine Spring is yeah. from well, Wheel of Time. I'm getting, I'm getting my <laughs> epic fantasy lines crossed. But no, I mean, I, I really do. I do totally understand why it would be your number one. And you know what's it's beautiful. And the 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 amount of criticism that I'm leveling at the series is a little bit unfounded because or I would say undeserved because the third book isn't out. Right. So it's like I could I could say all of these things about, you know, like I could throw out fancy terms like lack of dramatic tension. And it's like maybe there's a reason for that that I'm not seeing, you know, and and I think that. That is one of the reasons why reading unfinished series just really kind of irks me because it's like, I want to just have closure. And I know, I think that's why everyone's so frustrated with these books not being finished is because we all do have these criticisms and we're like, are we right or are we wrong? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I hope he takes the time off that he's had to hone his skills. So you're on the same page as me when you finish. Because um, like when I read the first book, and it began with like it was a silence of three parts and then he goes into like the depth of the silence oh man that just i like beautiful words put together and man i think he does a really really good job if i have any criticism with the books it is the relationship between kavoth and Dana. i think a lot of people would agree with you on that it's so it, frustrating i agree with it you. it was just like <sighs> it's just so it's like both is an idiot first off when it comes to women and like has no idea even though he's so smart he should like i don't know find a book on it dude you've read every other book in the library pick one about women and maybe read it or relationships in general and then she's like aloof and flitty and into it and not into it and like i feel like her we don't she's supposed to be mysterious but she just seems by the end of the second book, kind of just like flaky <laughs> and like non-committal. And like it's and it's 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 interesting because it's like your your immediate instinct when you're reading characters like that or a situation like that involving those characters that are acting that way is to think like this must be some kind of self-insert, right? Like Patrick, who hurt Patrick Rothfuss, right. you know, and like that could be it, 
or it could be that he's he's trying to say something more by showcasing like maybe he, we're we're right where he wants us you know what i mean like we want he wants us to be frustrated with how i mean Kvothe is straight up objectifying denna you know i mean he is Absolutely. he is completely treating her like uh you know everything that she does is 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 unfair to him you know he's not mm-hmm. he never listens to her he doesn't you know and it's and it's very very frustrating to see a character that you do like and that you do feel like you understand acting so obtuse and also denna you know like uh, was like a I, I felt like she was a really promising character and was it was starting to look like it was like this complicated interesting situation then yeah you're right like towards the end of the second book it like it's like is it though you know um, right so or are you just an a-hole dinner like are you just like gonna string this poor kid along i feel like it mirrored some like you said some relationship like maybe rothfuss was chasing the hottest girl on the cheerleading squad when he was in high school mm-hmm. and she just led him on the entire time and then he mirrored this denna character after that relate that dynamic that he had with this girl you know i don't know i got really frustrated with the relationship with denna and with denna and with the way that kavoth treated denna Mm -hmm. but that's the thing is that there's not there's not any closure on it so it's like it's like it's like you can attach your own um like experience onto a character right like that's that's you can relate and say like like wow i remember when i was in school and i thought that this uh this girl was like leading me on but really what was happening was that I just couldn't take the hint, you know what I mean? And like, um, it was just a person that was being nice to me. And like, I didn't, I wasn't ready to settle for, you know, being friends with somebody or respecting their boundaries or, you know, and we've learned these lessons over the course of our life. Oh, that never but, happened to me. <laughs> like we have learned these lessons, but Quoth hasn't. Right. And so it's like, it's really easy to sit back and say, wow, what an idiot. Patrick Rothfuss wrote a crappy character, but it's like, the books aren't finished yet like if there was a third book out and Kvothe never learned from those experiences and just kept being like that I'd be like wow that's like all right like whatever you know it's kind of dumb and he's got to be bad at something right you know might as well be relationships I mean uh what what was it that Quincy Jones said uh Quincy Jones like one of the best producers ever and they get an interview they said what uh you know what's something you're actually bad at Quincy Jones and I guess he was just like being married like (laughs) just couldn't figure it out just couldn't figure it out uh yeah but cool yeah i'm glad we got to talk about name of the wind on our first on our first podcast that's really good man i love that book (laughs) go buy name of the wind read it everyone's already got it you're right i bought it like four times they probably got it from me okay so evan i'm very very excited to hear your number one favorite book series right now okay so this took me a lot and like there are two other series that I feel like are kind of outside of this conversation. And I just kind of wanted to like put them on this other shelf for a second because my real favorite series are Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Oof. But I'm not calling my number one series those. It's like, I know, I know. It's like we, it's almost, it's almost too obvious. Um, they're too, imp- they're so important to me for reasons that, I can't even like critique or like look at objective, not objectively, but I can't, I look at those two series differently than I look at literally everything else that I read. Me too. You know, they were so important to me in my formative years. I had to hide Harry Potter from my mom. Yep. Uh, a lot of the people The entire did. time, like my light under the blanket, like, man, I, both of them crossed my mind as well. I'm glad you threw that out there because 
I couldn't put them on the list. No. Because there's so many people talking about them, but like, man, they're good. And it's funny because like, uh, you know, some of the content that I've made on TikTok and stuff, it's like, I'll make like a list of like, yeah, these are my favorite, whatever. And somebody's like, I can't believe you didn't mention Lord of the Rings. And it's like, of course, Lord of the Rings. Like, right. you know, it's like, it's, it's like saying like, these are my favorite movies. Um, and like, obviously, like, like whatever, like the Shawshank Redemption or like Star Wars or like whatever the <laughs> best movie is. Like, I mean, it's just right. like, it's like, it's like saying like, oh, the Beatles are my favorite band. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, yeah, like, obviously, like I didn't pick one because I was like someone else way more smarter and way better at talking and way better at thinking than me has talked so much more better than I ever could about those books already that I'm not going to throw them on my list, but I'm glad that they got an honorable mention because yeah. they should be on the and list. And it's not, it's not even an honorable mention because they didn't quite make the cut. It's an honorable mention because there's no way that I could get into it without just, they're just automatically my favorites. Um, yep. So yeah, maybe it messes up the, 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 they exist outside the list. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're better than my number one pick, but they um, they have so much sentimental value to me that Same. it kind of like skews my whole list if I were to put them on there. Okay, so Absolutely. hopefully I can find something, some some editing in there because I was all over the place with that. Uh, that was good. Okay, so my number one series is the Farseer Trilogy by Robin Hobb. Really? Yeah. Yeah interesting choice okay why is that have you read them i believe so okay yes i have yep yep they're, they're assassin, assassin's apprentice royal assassin yep, yep i have indeed really that's your first one that huh? is number one that is the one that i always come back to i've reread it uh fits fits yep, is the main character fits. correct yep okay i'm trying to refresh my memory um i think i think robin hobb has this style that as soon as i start reading it I can't put it down. I just can't. And I'm a sucker for first person stories. I love a coming of age story. Mm -hmm. Fitz is one of the best characters in fantasy, in my opinion. Uh, I think Robin Hobb, I don't know what she's, I don't know what she's doing. Like, I don't know <laughs> how she's approaching writing these books. Like, um, they're complicated, but so grounded at the same time. Like super easy to read. There's so many moments like where Fitz is feeling something and I just, and I just really, really relate. And I understand how he's feeling. And Robin Hobb has this way of conveying such specific nuanced emotions in certain situations. Um, her world building is so vivid. That is a really, really impressive thing. When you have a first person story and it's three books that are all first person. And there are other characters that you are getting to know and really understanding or hating or loving when you're not even in their head for any of the series, you know? Yeah, I think that Robin Hobb is uh, very underrated and probably one of the best working fantasy authors in the world. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love those books. It is very difficult to create other characters that are dynamic when you don't see anything from their perspective, like through the eyes of someone else, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do. And he does it very well. Oh, Robin Hobb's a woman actually. Yeah. Or she does it. I'm sorry. Um, I never looked up. See, I don't look up pictures totally. or um, listen to them interviews for exactly the reason that we just talked about. So yeah. I always thought Robin was a man. Interesting. Um, 
the characters are excellent. Their ability to make dynamic characters while you're not in their heads is very, very difficult to do. And it always impresses me just when an author can do that well. Like, you have tons of different types of characters, but they're so different from each other. And it's like, man, this... Sometimes I sit back and, like, marvel. This all came from one person's head. And it adds an additional layer of difficulty when you have to filter all of that through the eyes of one person Mm -hmm. and still somehow create dynamic other characters and, like, depth of relationship. And Robin Hobb, she does an excellent job. Such a great series of books. And, like, I mean, it's, it's like the ending of the trilogy people are very split on the ending and it's a weird ending um especially because like the the books really are some of the most and when i say grounded what i mean is like like i feel i feel like it's it's taking its time like i feel like i'm there you know what i mean like i i feel like it's such a it's so hard to to really describe no it's kind of a moment to moment experience it's what's it's what's lacking in the Harry Potter movies that's in the books is that is the, the classroom time, you know, that those little kind of seamless, not important moments where Draco's making fun of Harry or something because he sucked at something. It's, vi- it's vibe checks. Yeah. And it pulls you in. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's funny. I just read all of those, the, the Court of Thorns and Roses books by Sarah J. Moss. And what I thought was like, she never does it. And then as when I finished it, I was like, oh, the whole series is a vibe check. Like the whole, <laughs> they're always doing those things. And that's why people love them so much. And it's like some of my very favorite parts of uh, like of Harry Potter, like uh, chapter four of Prisoner of Azkaban is called The Leaky Cauldron. When Cornelius Fudge finds Harry after Harry blew up Marge and Harry's like freaking out because he's just like, ah, I'm going to go to jail. And Fudge is, <laughs> Fudge is like, well, no, we, we need you to stay here at the Leaky Cauldron for the next couple of weeks and just don't leave Diagon Alley. And then the next like, you know, 10, 15 pages or whatever, is just Harry like hanging out in Diagon Alley. Like he's doing his homework at Florian Fortescue's. He's like going to Madame Malkin's. He's going to the- Getting free ice cream yeah. from the ice cream place. Yeah, and he's yeah, just, yeah. he's just, it's like the first time that we see Harry like experiencing the world that he's been thrown into and kind of been drug along through for a while. And now he's like- He's here. He's in it. You know, he's he's part of this now. And like, if we want to wrap it back around to the Farseer, it's like I felt like Fitz is very much the, it's the same way. You know, it's like he he's thrown into this situation. He's uh, vilified, you know, by by his family, like, you know, this whole community. He really is like his personality is just so awesome and and I was just, I want to hang out with him. I want to like go on an adventure with Fitz and like. He's a very relatable character. Even though it's a lot like Quoth when you're you're seeing him do things and you're just like, that is not a very good idea. Like, <laughs> whoa, like you're doing that? Like, like what logical tree led you to that decision? Uh, that's just, you know, another good example of really excellent writing where where it's like, I'm really concerned about this person even though it's in first person and I know he's not going to die. And that's, and I feel like that kind of skill, if we want to wrap it back over to um, my, my problems with name of the wind is like, I feel like Rothfuss isn't quite grabbing me like um, Robin Hobb does, but, but those books aren't finished yet. So, you know, uh, no, they are not. And maybe if there were only two Farseer books, I'd probably feel the same way. I'm not sure. Maybe so. Well, I, it was definitely a book series that, I developed a strong emotional connection with two things that I measure, but well, many things that I measure book series by, but one is if I'm at work or doing something else and I'm like thinking about it and I can't wait to pick those up. I had that experience with the whole series. 
And then secondly, when you end the last book and you close that cover, it's still still a satisfying experience, but it's always it's always kind of a little bit of a grieving process as well. Totally. Because you like you're friends with the character. Like you're you develop an emotional connection with them and all of a sudden they're just like yanked out of your life and you're like, oh brutal. And I definitely experienced that with uh with old fits. Yeah, I mean I that's that's I mean I read I read a lot and that is a fairly rare experience for me. Yeah. Um, you know, not because I'm reading a bunch of books that I don't like, but just because, you know, some books, I, some series I finish and I'm like, wow, you know, that was really good. Like, I'm glad I read that. There's some really cool stuff happened. I thought about a lot of things like great. And then other ones I read and I'm like, kind of devastated. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's not good. Like, should I reread it? I'm like jealous of other people. They're like, Hey, I'm just starting this book series. I'm right. like, oh, I wish yeah. I could go back and read that for the first time. Like, that was so good. I wish I could go back and read all of these books for the first time. Have we have we read all of the books on each other's list? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of nervous that you're going to have any books that I didn't. And then I was like, well, I got literally nothing to say about that. But yeah, we have both read <laughs> all of the books on each other's favorites, which is good. That's what we're best friends, Evan. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad that we uh, we got a chance to get this podcast together. And this was an awesome first episode. I had a lot of fun. Me too. I spend a lot of my life reading fantasy novels. And like I said, I have an anxiety problem if I don't have a book right next to me pretty much at all times. I take it to work. I don't even read it most of the days on my breaks, but like I know that it's there and it gives me comfort. Well, everybody, we've really enjoyed talking to each other and having you here along for the ride. And we're definitely going to be making quite a few more episodes of this podcast. We really appreciate you being here. Definitely. Me too. I just want to say thank you, everyone, for your time and attention. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to our channel as we enjoy talking to you and we want to bring you more awesome discussions and we will definitely see you next time. Thanks, everybody.